Do you know when to pause? Do you know when you need to take a break? Christina here with Nina's Journey. Each week, we're going to hang out and walk through a topic that's going to light our soul on fire. Together, we're going to unpack past experiences, talk through feelings, and so much more. Together on this podcast, we will learn to love, live, and grow. Because I believe when we learn to love openly, we will begin to live with vulnerability. And ultimately, that is when we grow. Hi, friends. It has been a hot minute here on Nina's Journey, learning to love, live, and grow. But I'm here, and I wanted to take a moment and pause season two and give you an update on to what happened in the interruption behind that. So I've been gone for, I don't know, five or six weeks now. The last episode I published was on March 28th. And I want to give you context as to what's going on. And really, it was for my way of being transparent with you and explaining because I think that's what's important. And I think that's what keeps our relationship here. So I like to be raw. I like to be real. I like to be transparent. But as I drafted my thoughts, like I outlined the things that I wanted to talk about, I realized that mental health is so deeply integrated into our physical health and that while I had topics prepared to explain that piece of health and wellness from aspects of emotional eating and, you know, behaviors and how that's driven by our thoughts and the psychology behind all of that, what's really important is that what I'm about to share with you wasn't necessarily of the original programming for health and wellness, but it's something that's super important and I want to share with you and I am anticipating taking a deeper dive into this subject at a later season or down the road. Um, I'm even starting some YouTube content around that. I have made my very first video. I did a skit on um, myself naming my condition and having a dialogue with that piece. And I have some ideas and I think that it's going to be a unique series where I can expand on that and use it not only from like a treatment or like recovery kind of piece, but also create awareness and help others not feel so alone because I know that I have felt alone in this space and if I feel alone I know that there's others out there that do as well so I want you to know that you're not alone and we're in this together and yeah so that's where we're at so as I said an interruption to my normal season two programming and I really just needed to pause I needed to pause and recognize what I needed to do for myself And with that being said, I want to say that I am struggling or I I really was struggling. But even today, I think that I'm still, you know, it's it's a process and I'm progressing. But there is a level of struggle here. And um, I really I've been struggling for some time now, not so much as the acute piece of what caused me to realize this. But over the course of the years, dealing with something that I didn't fully acknowledge So over the course of season two, I really was prepared to talk about all the things that I've learned with healthy habits, goal setting, the psychology behind what drives our behavior and has that and as that relates to the space. I also partnered up with another person and I was super excited 
But friends, I was battling some things internally and slowly my energy was psych- it was on the cycle of like up and down and overall the, the trend was declining. Uh, that decline was something that I had given a small glimpse to here and there on the episodes, but I didn't want to shadow all of the goodness that I was going to bring to you in this season or that respective episode. And while I will finish the season, I have it all restructured and I'm prepared to do that. I want to let you know that my world crashed. And I found myself in a very dark place. I had come home from my trip and I had unpacked my things and ultimately I'll get into the details of that, but I had a significant flare and that, that after a slow decline of my energy, I wasn't, I wasn't in a place where I could cope and my energy was too depleted and my routine was in shambles and ultimately it wasn't good. It was I want to say rock bottom, but I've been at rock bottom and I'm and I wasn't quite there because I'm well educated now in comparison to where I was when I hit rock bottom, but even with the knowledge and the skill sets that I had, I was not functioning. And so that's where I want to go with you today. I can see that this flare up entailed symptoms that I have lived with for years. At this time and during this experience, it was very intense. This flare-up was very, very intense. I wasn't sleeping. I had had a panic attack at a local uh, department store. I was very hypervigilant, something fierce. I, I don't even know how to describe it to you. I was becoming lethargic, and the intrusive thoughts were racing. And after a milestone of the experience, uh, my husband was gone for drill training, And by the end of that weekend, I knew that I needed to do something. I knew that I needed help and I needed it now. Friends, I have PTSD. I was diagnosed originally in 2016 with complex PTSD. I sought out help after we lost my aunt to suicide. And when I reflect back on that experience, I remember hearing my extended family talk about her trauma background and then them asking questions or making statements about You know, why couldn't she this or they didn't understand that, but I did. I sat in that room quietly and I knew exactly what she was feeling. I knew the answers to their questions, but I could not speak up. On our drive home, the day of her funeral, I knew that I needed to seek out help. It had been six years after my traumas, which was from an abusive marriage. That's how my story with this condition starts. When I sought out a trauma specialist, I spent time being in denial about PTSD. They had diagnosed me, and I did what I do best, and that was research the living daylights out of this. What is PTSD? What are the symptoms of PTSD? Are they sure it's PTSD? I was convinced that if I dug hard enough and long enough that I could prove to them that they got it wrong. That's what I wanted to walk in and tell them. You're wrong. And as I read through things and I took an inventory and the research continued, I was devastated inside. I will never forget going into that appointment and telling my therapist, okay, I think you're right. And, you know, honestly, she was like, well, I mean, okay, so I've been doing this a while. And and there was a little bit of humor there because I was very transparent with her that I was adamant to show her that she was wrong, regardless of her years of experience and years of schooling. I mean, who was I to just be like, hey, lady, you didn't get it right this time? Well, she did. 
I did have some EMDR, which was an experience that I'm not willing to talk about right now, and I had therapy. But looking back at that time, I could see myself dancing or tiptoeing around it. I really didn't want to dig in or work to understand my symptoms, to know the what and how they impacted me and my life. I was determined to address something external of myself, like the marriage issues that I just so badly wanted to fix. As I look back, we finally got a point to where I was like, okay, we have to do the work or I'm not going to get better. And then my insurance changed. And just after we started to transition to the trauma piece, I was left to make two choices. I was going to need to pay out of pocket or find somebody new. And both of those options gave me a high level of anxiety. I have trust issues. I have severe trust issues, which is also a symptom. So I went on my way. I thought I'll just lean on what I knew and what I had learned and I'll be fine. I'll be completely fine. I have my hands on this. It'll be, I'll be okay. I didn't give it the respect that I should have. I don't think that I ever really truly actually accepted it. I accepted that they were right, but I didn't accept what I had. Some time went on and then I stepped into that self-discovery journey that I've talked about with you guys here on the podcast. In 2019, I started picking up some material and diving in. And now what I'm learning is that in that journey and in that space of wanting to become a better human being, I was learning things that were very effective in helping me manage my symptoms. But that wasn't the intent. I wasn't having like specific thoughts of this is a symptom, I'm going to apply this technique, and I'm managing this underlying tone of anxiety or symptoms of PTSD. It was just surely an incidental find. And here I thought I was just rocking it. I was an amazing human being, which I am. I just didn't realize what I was helping. And by not having that space of realize what I was helping, I couldn't realize how valuable it was when symptoms flared and I didn't know what to do. So now that we've got you the back history, here's what happened. Here's what brought me to this moment. I had come home from my Vegas trip. It was back in January. And at that point, I was in a very good place. I had recovered from COVID. I was getting things back into the swing of my routine and running. I had goals mapped out. I was excited for the health and wellness season on this podcast. And I had also signed on to another business venture. Things were great. I was feeling awesome. And then the Friday after I returned, I was working and my phone rang. I looked at the, you know, the caller ID and it was my sister-in-law. I picked up and she was crying. She expressed that she had attempted suicide and was asking to come to our house. She said she had nowhere else to go, and I said, of course, I had no hesitation. I told her that she needed to make sure that she took care of her girls, too. That was the starting point of my decline. And I'm sharing details of my experience, but I'm also wanting you to know that I'm not sharing anything that she hasn't shared publicly. That being said, she was dealing with a divorce, and she was very emotional She was dealing with severe depression and anxiety. After a few days, we worked through some list of next steps, and my husband and I opened up our home during her initial recovery. See, I had lost a family member to suicide, and I took all of this very seriously. After 
About 10 days, she went home to deal with her family situation, and she said she was feeling stronger. Shortly after she had returned home, she called one morning. It was very early. It was like between 5 and 5.30. She said that she had turned in her husband for dealing. He was, ad- he was arrested. She sounded scared, and she said she didn't know what to do. My husband and I talked about it after I hung up the phone, and we decided that we didn't know how bad the situation was or how bad it could get. And we decided to take it very seriously because if we didn't and something happened, we weren't sure that we could live with ourselves. So we called her back and we asked her if we came to help, would she come here and we could help her get her back on her feet? And she said yes. Both my husband and I called in for work. I'll never forget calling my boss. I, she had no context into it and I just said, I need you to trust me and I have to go. And she said, okay. The day was super stressful and it was really overwhelming. And as we were trying to get packed up to get back to our place, it ended with a call from the police as her husband had been released and he come home super angry. I held my niece as she cried. We eventually got back on the road and we were about 30 minutes from home when there was a crisis in our own home. Our daughter, she too has PTSD and she was triggering. She had one of her worst triggers that night. From there, it was this experience of up and downs. My sister-in-law would be on this wild ride of emotions. And I mean, respectively so, I saw her fear and her emotions as something that I had gone through. Like I had gone through hard times. And so it all felt and seemed normal. And so I spent time, I invested days and hours trying to help her. I was trying to teach her things that I've learned. Some days it felt like she was receptive, and then others days I was witnessing this lack of skill set, or so I thought, and from there I shared with her, like, learning how to respond is half the battle, in that she would be strong enough, and that she could be independent, and she could reach all of the stars and dreams that she wanted to. There was one night where I was going to go for a run and she was screaming at her husband on the phone. I was scared. I spent three hours or more that night calming her down and I was dealing with this internal response myself. We talked through how violent her reaction was and how that they were threatening each other and how unhealthy that was. We talked about how limiting the contact will help her be able to move forward gracefully. The next day, While I was working, I could hear her out in the living room. I went out there, and she was on the phone dealing with him again. She was fighting with him again. I was so confused, and I was growing tired. See, the agreement was that we would bring her in and help her get back on her feet. We had no financial expectations of her. She was with us for a couple of weeks with no job. She was on medical leave. We gave money for gas and all that she needed The deal was that she was just supposed to get healthy. We were going to give her the space and the opportunity to work on herself and move past some of her old past traumas. She herself noted that she wasn't healthy. She said she was severely depressed and and described hitting rock bottom. And my heart, again, I truly felt for her. She started doing the Tinder thing. Now, I don't have a lot of experience with it, and I hear a lot of jokes about the swipe left or swipe right, But when I heard Tinder, I knew what it was. And we had expressed to her that she has choice and that ultimately she can determine how she wants to live her life. She is an adult. But just as much as she had choice, 
We had choice too, and we needed to protect our family. We expressed how concerned we were for her and how important it was to get healthy before pursuing another relationship. And that guidance, those words were coming from my own experience. I had done that, and I knew how valuable that was. Essentially, this is where it all starts to get really messy. When I got home from Dennis Port, my stuff had been rearranged or quote-unquote organized, and my kids' artwork had been taken off the cupboards, including the deployment letters and things that I had up on the cupboard. And when I walked in, I was immediately in shock, and I could feel it rising inside. That was my stuff. I had been gone for a week, and I had just gotten back after 1,300 miles of driving, and I wanted to put my stuff away, and all of my routine stuff was moved. I couldn't find things. I was really overwhelmed. My sister-in-law had come home, and she could see it on my face. What's wrong, she asked. And I calmly said that my stuff was moved, and I wasn't handling it very well, and I just needed some time. I didn't yell, and I did walk outside just for some space. She left that night. She left us with her daughter for three days, and we had no idea where she was. My niece said that she had a boyfriend that she didn't think we were aware of, and that's where she was headed. I triggered. I could feel the sense of unsafety and uneasiness rising in my body. It's not something that I can control. When Monday came around, I tried to find some information. Again, remember, I'm a researcher and an information seeker. She was new to the area, and the idea that I had was that I would go on her Facebook, and I would find any new male friends in the area. It was a starting point, right? Well, I found two, and one that was closer, and almost made more sense. So I sea-capped him, and he had a significant criminal background. My symptoms were on overdrive. I called my husband in a panic, and I explained, all of my safety has been breached. We had no idea who he was, how he would react, or what if he would try to get involved or try to save the day if she was upset. She hadn't talked to us about what happened. She was completely avoiding conflict. And she, I was learning, has this approach of maybe inflating some of the truths. I mean, I say that respectfully, as we all have our own perspectives. But now I was roped into a situation where my feelings had been hurt. And she didn't get what she wanted. So we explained to her that we needed to talk and we notified her that the agreement was broke and that we no longer could allow for her to live here or provide the roof over her head. We asked her if she was aware of his criminal background and she wasn't. She well, she said she was a, that he disclosed one thing to her, but we asked her about CCAP and we provided the documentation that we found. And I explained to her that I didn't feel safe. She acknowledged me when I explained to her that I was feeling uneasy. We also explained to her during that conversation that her daughter was scared and concerned. We told her the same conversation that we had had with her daughter and that we will not stand between them and that if our niece wanted to go with her mom, that was okay. But if she needed a place to stay or if she wanted to, that she could stay here. And she engaged the school resources for support. And the resources were telling all of us that at 17, she had a voice. We never got to talk about what really happened. This all escalated and got so wild because she left. And all I ever wanted to do was explain my feelings. My sister-in-law ran. She fled from a perceived conflict. She didn't get the reaction she wanted from me. And I never got to tell her... How when she removed those letters from the deployment from my cupboards, 
she took something down that I looked at every day. I never got to explain to anybody those feelings of dismissal because I looked at them every day and reminded myself what it took to be a military wife. The honor that I have in being a military wife, I wasn't ready to take them down. I never got to explain how my routine was disturbed and how it made me feel that when I went to my running box, all of the pieces of my tools and the nutrition were all split up and I couldn't find them. She didn't know what those things were for. She shouldn't have touched them. When she came back around the house, she just pretended like nothing happened. I was so confused. How? After we spent weeks and the energy that I've put into this, how could she just avoid me? How could she be so disrespectful? I also learned how scared my niece was and how unsettled she had been feeling. She loves her mom, but she was feeling worried and scared because of how her mom behaves. She also said that she didn't think that her mom really accepted the opportunity that we had offered her, as she would go back home and she would complain to her husband about us and how we were telling her how to live her life. Really? All I ever wanted to do was help her. I gave her life experience so she didn't have to figure it out on her own. She's never talked to us about the situation. She never talked about or asked what kinds of intentions we had with helping support her daughter. She has completely avoided and cut us off. And as that experience came to an end, we exchanged her property with a police presence. That night we were advised not to have her daughter around to avoid increased escalation. That was what I was advised. I got a call that I needed to bring our niece back and that the police likely were going to be taking her back to her mom's apartment. I had to hold a crying 17-year-old child who I had told her that she had a voice to be able to advocate for herself and her own safety. We went home and we had a long conversation with the police. They called the social worker. They explained the scenario and she was granted the ability to stay at our house that night. And my niece jumped in my arms. She was sobbing. She was shaking. She was saying thank you. And I told her we'll just take it day by day and hour by hour. The next day shattered everything for me and my niece. She shared all that she could with the school and social services. But at the end, it wasn't enough. The police brought her to our house to get her things. And I had to help her pack up. We cried. I personally expressed to the officer how unhealthy mom was, and they acknowledged, but they said, it, it isn't enough. And then we were informed that mom doesn't trust the conversations that we're having. So it was noted that there would be no contact between us or our niece. But it was the police's hope that mom would come around and then our niece could spend time here with us in an environment that she felt safe in. It's been over a month, and we still are not allowed to see her. Her mom stripped her of her family, and she has isolated her from us. I wasn't having any conversations with my niece that my sister-in-law wasn't aware of. I was very transparent, and I had the same kinds of conversations about emotional response and healthy behaviors as I was having with her mom. And the only thing I encouraged her to do was to be honest with those who were trying to help her meaning the resources at school, the social workers, and the police that were involved. She needed to be honest. After all of this, that's where my world crashed. 
I had been on such an adrenaline high for about a week trying to seek information, make sure that we were doing things right. I didn't want to cause angst for anybody. I wanted to help a terrified child. She was gone, and I was so sad. I was heartbroken. I went to the store in which my sister-in-law works um, to get a bone for our new puppy, and I had a panic attack. It came without warning. A few days later, my husband and I tried shopping one night, and we went and unexpectedly saw our niece. She gave us a big hug, and I could feel it. I could feel it inside. I told my husband I needed to leave. I I couldn't stay much longer because what if, what if mom saw us? We went to another store, and my husband came around the corner, and I was on the floor. I was sick. I was triggering. I was triggering really bad. Now I get a sense of anxiety when I'm driving around in my own town. The feelings of fear are as deep with her as they are with my abuser. Ultimately, I feel sad, and I feel used. I've asked myself if this is what it feels like to be the family member of somebody who's addicted. Where I stand, it feels like she's addicted to codependency. And though I'm aware that if somebody wants to get healthy or to create change in their life, they have to want to, I was so invested in trying to help her. I had such great hope for her because I have been there. I have been so scared and so lonely and so lost. And I figured out how to do it a different way. I figured out how to rise and elevate from the pain and the trauma of past. And I figured out how to grow as a person and hand that down to those around me. Everything I did was with such good intentions. So the trauma of this entire experience, after 12 weeks of deteriorating energy, my PTSD completely flared. I wasn't in a good place, and I decided that I needed help. I went looking for help knowing that I clearly don't have a handle on this thing. What I'd like to share is that it's been five weeks. I am engaged with a therapist who has over 20 years of trauma recovery experience. I'm learning that PTSD is something that has actually been deeply intertwined into my response to stress for years. The three months with my sister-in-law was harder on me than I will ever have realized. As I took time to get healing in place, I was opened up to something much larger. So friends, I want you to know mental health is as, if not more important, than the hallmark idea of physical health. See, the nervous system is an integrated part of our bodies, and our bodies remember that state in which we were. My body engages my trauma response based on the physical elements. For years, I have lived in frustration, thinking that this was normal, but struggling because it doesn't feel like me. Now, I'm like, what's real and what's not? I have learned that there is PTSD, and then there is me. I need to work on the management of my trauma response, and I need to be aware In the last week, I've even come to learn how this impacted my marriage. See, I thought PTSD just lived on a shelf, and it come down when it seemed logical and made sense. But it doesn't. 
It doesn't come out when it's logical. As I described, the body remembers. And in this this week's session, I talked about a disagreement that I had had with my husband and I walked through the entire thing. And I started to see that the areas of frustration that I have thinking are in the space of communication of my husband are actually my trauma response engaging. As I put those pieces together, I had this like sense of deflation. Am I broken? Are all of these issues my fault? I can see that I have things to work on and I need to realize that I need to look in the mirror when it comes to some of the pieces of my relationships and it's not just me wanting the other person to respond differently, most notably my husband. I want him to fix his communication, but this week I realized that some of that cycle that I described to him is actually mine to own and that left me feeling kind of yucky inside. My therapist tells me that Trauma response itself is like a communication, but in the form of behavior, and that I'm learning a new language. So just as if I wanted to pick up German or French, I need to practice. And that learning a new language is not easy, but it can be done. And what he explained to me is that my becoming verbal is like learning a new language and that I am not allowing my behaviors to be the communicator anymore. I can see this now, and being verbal is hard. What if people don't understand? Well, they may not. What if people judge? They may, and that actually usually is because they don't understand. But this is for me, and this is for my recovery. For anyone listening, if you feel like you can relate, know that you're not broken. Emotion trumps logic. And that's why you suffer with confusion and frustration and most likely why you suffer silently. If you have PTSD or you have suffered trauma, you had a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. It is a matter of retraining the body and managing symptoms. At least that's what I'm learning and that's what I'm working on. You can get to the point where you can save your trauma response for when you're in real danger. And when I get there, I'm going to be sure to share it. In the meantime, I have made a video out on YouTube. Uh, It is something that I think I am going to expand into a series where PTSD and I can learn to live with one another and I can finally embrace a true recovery. Thanks for listening, friends. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Nina's Journey, learning to love, live, and grow. If you liked today's episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes. I will leave you with this from Joel Osteen. Your job is not to judge. Your job is not to figure out if someone deserves something. Your job is to lift the fallen, to restore the broken, and to heal the hurting. And that's what we do here on Nina's Journey.